chapter number 12. Go ahead and stand if you would when we read our text here. and Just so you know, you're not getting out at 1130. And I mean, you're not captive. You can walk out, but I won't be done at 1130. So I hope you didn't get too used to all that. Kind of nice for a change, right? Should try it sometime. We'll see what happens. All right, Nehemiah chapter number 12. I want to read uh, verse number 27. I do appreciate those guys filling in for me and doing a good job. And, and really was. I was able to watch the live stream because uh, we were three hours behind. So I tested everybody and sent out a flock note to see who's on their phones during church. Only two people failed. One was a deacon and one was a deacon's wife. Jim and Deb were the only ones that replied to the flock note. I, I made that announcement last Wednesday night, but I'm just playing around. It was a, really a blessing to be able to have that live stream and uh, listen to you guys. Just the spirit in the room, I could feel it through the, through the laptop, man. It's just I, I know that because it's my church, you know what I mean? I don't really believe you can. it's the same as being here, you know, but it was just a real blessing, man. I just really appreciate it. Your faithfulness, there's 115 people in church when I was gone, and you knew I was going to be gone, and that was, that was really, really impressive to me. Uh, that is not what normally happens in most churches, and I just commend you for that, and I know God will bless you for it, and I'm very thankful for it. And then it was just a blessing to hear good preaching, kind of preaching that you need that will help you, and I just really do appreciate it. So, Nehemiah chapter number 12, verse 27, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places and to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and harps. And the sons of the singers gathered themselves together, both out of the plain country, round about Jerusalem, and from the villages of Netophathai, also from the house of Gilgal, and from the fields of Geba, and as, as Maveth. For the singers had builded them villages round about Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and purified the people, and the gates, and the wall. Skip down with me, if you would, please, to verse number 43. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard, even afar off. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you this morning, and I thank you for the privilege, and I mean it, Lord, the privilege it is to be here, to stand up in front of these folks and to open up the Word of God and try to give them a message from the Lord. And Father, I know that if what we preach this morning is Bible, I know that if we preach the Bible faithfully and practically apply it to ourselves, that you can do an amazing work. And Lord, if you'll get in this message, then, then it'll, be, it'll truly be a message from God. If not, we're wasting our time. So I pray this morning, Father, you'd use me. I pray you'd control me. I pray you'd make me a blessing to this church, that you'd give each and every person here exactly what it is that they individually need to draw closer to you, to be stronger in the Lord, to be faithful to God no matter what their circumstances or responsibilities are in their daily life. Give them something that'll help them, God, and that will build them. And then I pray also that you'd continue to build this church in, in a corporate sense, Father, and help us to be exactly the group of people you want us to be. Add to us daily such as should be saved, Father. And, and uh, we leave that in your hands. You said you'd build your church, and we do want to see you do that. And we thank you for what you've done and what you continue to do. And we bless your holy name, Lord. Lift you up this morning, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. I want to 
take our thought this morning from verse number 27, you'll notice that first phrase. It says that the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. I got the thought from this text about being dedicated to God. Um, Think about the word dedication, if you would. To dedicate or be dedicated means to be devoted to a task or a purpose. I mean like devotion to a task or a purpose. In the storyline, now we've come to the stage where they've rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. They've put the gates up and the bars up and they've got everything set and the temple's in place and and they've gone through all this work. I mean, they put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into seeing God restore something that had gone away that they wanted back. And it just makes me think quite a bit about where you and I are at in this life where we're at in the timeline of God moving and the Spirit of God moving, not just in this nation, but around the world, and then more specifically in churches. I mean, there was a time when we went to church and the actual presence of God was, was, was almost felt. I mean, I've been in services where when the preaching begins and the preacher starts preaching the Word of God, that, man, it has, it has a power to it. It has a life-changing effect. There's, there's conviction of God's Holy Spirit, and there's comfort from the Holy Ghost, and there's a desire to, to hear more and learn more and know more and a desire to come back and get more. I mean, where God is actually moving and working. I mean, it used to be more commonplace throughout this nation. And in your day and in my day, in the day and age that we live in, most Most churches are absolutely 100% dead when it comes to the spiritual side of church. Even churches that seem to be growing, that have programs and things going on, it's like you're there and it just, is he going to be done yet? I mean, I desire with all my heart the, the presence of God in this place so that when the songs are sung, they're actually ministering to your soul and they're, they're lifting up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and they're preparing your heart and mind for the preaching of the Word of God because the emphasis in church ought to be on the Bible, ought to be on the preaching of the Word of God. I like song services and that's all good, but the emphasis and the highlight of the service is not the song service, is a preparation time to get you washed out and get your mind going where it ought to be so the preaching of the word of God can have some effect so the worship of God can go on so you can be built a servant of Jesus Christ because you are the church if you're saved and that's what God is trying to do he wants to build people they've come to a point where now they did all this work and they've restored something that was gone. And I'll be honest with you, just kind of in my stomach, in my gut, I really believe God is doing something special for this church. That's not church pride. That's not arrogance. It's not anything like that. I really believe with all my heart, God is doing something special for the Bible Believers Church of South Lyon. It's been years, years of work behind the scenes. Years of study, years of preaching, hundreds of hours of preaching the Bible and just faithfully trying to give you Bible as faithful as I know how to do that and trying to grow and giving you Bible only. And it's amazing to me what God is beginning to do. I mean, you know, I I went out there just to double check and I I pulled out of the, the track rack out there the occupancy limit they gave us for this building. It's double of what our attendance is right now. 
I mean, thanks, thank God for that. You know what I mean? That's good. So we don't have to like worry about, man, we're over occupancy. Like they gave us double. They must have really been generous. I was going to say high or drunk or something like that. But he said generous. I need to be more spiritual like Brother Mike. You see where my mind always goes, you know? I mean, could you look around and see, would you like to double the number of people in this room right now? <laughs> We're having to try to scoot people over this morning to make more room. And what a blessing that is. Isn't that amazing? To see what God is doing. And I, I really believe he's going to continue to do. I realize we're in the last days. I realize you go places and people don't want hard preaching anymore, but it sure seems to be something people don't mind when we come here. There sure seems to be more and more people saying, hey, listen, I want something a little bit more real. I can go get all the entertainment I want anywhere I want. On Sunday morning, I want to feel like I'm in church. I want to be preached at. On Sunday morning, I kind of like the fact that we get out hymn books and sing the hymns. I like the fact that church still feels like church. Listen, young people today, I'm not just talking about the old people looking for an old fuddy-duddy church. I'm talking about young people today are saying, listen, I want something more when I come to church. They've been inundated with the marketing, with everybody always giving them what they want, and they're beginning to realize just because you give me what I want doesn't mean I get anywhere in life. I need more than that. Hey, I believe God is doing something, and I believe God is going to continue to do something, and I'm excited about the fact that we've got some walls built up. I'm excited about the fact that we We've got a foundation laid. we got a temple here. we got God showing up here. I'm very, very encouraged and excited about that. And a lot, like I said already, of blood, sweat, and tears has gone into getting us to where we are. Somebody came in a few years ago and said something about, well, this little church, and it insulted me. You get offended? Yeah, of course I do. I'm human like you. You know why? Because that, 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 arrogant little, well, this little church spirit to me was like, yeah, well, this little church means something to me, jerk. So just because to you, oh, this little church, this little work don't mean much, it means a whole lot to me, and I'm thankful for it. So here's the problem. When you put a bunch of blood, sweat, and tears in, we'll talk a little bit more about it this morning, but you create some structure is what it takes to get things done. And you put some time in and you're invested in it, it begins to really mean something to you. Like a marriage, you know, you put some time in, it starts to mean something to you. How about children? You, you put some time into your family and they begin to mean something to you, right? Like everything in our life that we actually give ourselves to, that we're dedicated to, it starts to mean something to you. And there comes a point then where it's a very important individually and as an assembly to say, listen, we need to step back for a second and we need a dedication ceremony. We need to step back for a second and realize that we're gathered here right now for a purpose. And the purpose that we've gathered here is all this work that we've done. What we're doing is we're taking our hands off of it. And we're saying, you know what this is? This is dedicated to God. What we've done and what we've put in and the effort that we've made and the walls that we've built and the gates that we've put up and the risks that we've taken and the adversaries and the pressure and the temptations and all the things that have come against us, all the oppression and all the resistance to what we've done that we fought through, even though we did all this and we followed God and we saw God do something great and God is doing something great. Listen, hey, it's time to step back and say, hey, listen, what I've got is not mine. What I have is not for me. Listen, even my 
body, even my health, my very life itself is not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'm to glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which are God's. It's all His. And it's time this morning to step back and say, I need to rededicate myself, my life, my family, my ministry. Everything I am, I need to rededicate it to God. It needs to be devoted for a specific purpose, and that purpose is, Lord, what wouldst thou have me do? You know, people are dedicated to a lot of things. I love sports. I have no problem with sports. This is not me preaching against sports. Are you okay? Did you hear that clearly? You know what I saw when we got our kids involved in soccer and volleyball and all that stuff? I saw people dedicated. Here's me and mom. We're thinking, you know, it's going to be spring, so the weather will be broken. We'll be good. Stand out there. <laughs> and then, of course, it has to, the wind has to blow. And out on a soccer field, it feels like a 1,000 degrees colder than it does when you're not on a soccer field. You know what I mean? The rain's coming down. You're standing out there with umbrellas. Oh, it's raining. No, you don't get to stay home from practice because it's raining. You're dedicated. Go. Why? Because it's time to play. You don't get to just, well, I was slipping. Hey, listen, one time my kids forgot their cleats. But guess what? They still played. And guess what? It was raining that day. And guess what? They never forgot their cleats again. I saw them do the weirdest things in the world. I mean, like, they're going this direction, their body went that direction, whoop out. Just like, what just happened? Like, didn't do the splits. But I'm talking about dedication. We didn't drive an hour to go play a soccer game and go, oh, I forgot my cleats. How'd you forget your cleats? And that whole thing went on. We was screaming and yelling and mom had a work appointment and I'm calling mom. She's like, honey, I'm walking into a closing. I don't know what you want me to do about that right now. Can you run up to Walmart and see? It's like, oh, they're not going to have them. Let's see. see if you can find her something. She just has slides on. We'll see if she can find some. Run up to Walmart, grab some tennis shoes, come back with tennis shoes. It wasn't like, oh, can't make it. Can't read my Bible this morning. Couldn't come to church. It was raining. Talk about being dedicated. Three o'clock in the morning, the storms rolled through. Do you guys hear them? Thunder, boom, and all the rest of that stuff. Our wonderful little alarm system decided that a glass window broke in the kitchen. But, alarm system being so great, I slept straight through the alarm system. My wife hits me at three in the morning. Her watch is going off because her phone is ringing. Honey, why is the security company calling me? I'm like, God, that's not cool. <laughs> Pop out of bed at 3 in the morning. I grab the 357. And I'm doing a tour of the house at 3 in the morning. I told you all that to tell you this. Get back in bed. Everything's fine. Shut the alarm off. Reset it. Go back to bed. Put up the gun. Lay down. I said, Lord, please help the rain not to ruin the service in the morning. Now, I... That's a blessing to see you're all here anyhow, but I remember 10 years ago when something like that would be all it would take to knock the church attendance down 30 or 40%. I'm telling you, I, I see the dedication. I see what God's doing, and I think it's a good thing. But the danger is once you've done all that work and you've learned and you've got yourself there and you're at a point where this means something to you and you're serious about it, it's time to step back and rededicate. Because we got to remind ourselves that, listen, with what we have coming down the road, we're not done with, this, with the septic, by the way. They, they are two months out to be able to do anything, so we should have another month and hopefully be hearing from them soon. 
And I'm telling you, the, the line that was out there this morning waiting for the bathrooms, it's, it's kind of getting to a point where this is not okay anymore. You understand what I mean? we got to do something about this. And as we begin to work hard and begin to have to structure and to give and to see God and inconvenience ourselves because I'm going to be coming to you, or one of the guys is going to be coming to you saying, hey, brother, can you guys scoot in a little bit? I've got room for one. And people are like, well, this has been my seat forever. And They tried to jam in a third. Sometimes when people are new and there's more, like they didn't realize you had a couple kids with them and they went, they're nervous and they just kind of jam into them. They just kind of move you down and it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm trying to say about just kind of stepping back and reevaluating sometimes and realizing that as the church begins to grow and things begin to happen and there's not enough parking and you're parked on the grass and you get stuck in the morning on the way out and they, you know that the frustrations begin to build and that's how the devil begins to work to try to break apart what God is doing. And what we got to remember is that what we're doing here is dedicated to something bigger than me, than you, than our conveniences or our inconveniences because this is supposed to be all about God Almighty and who He is and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary and getting closer to Him so we can build our lives on something bigger than ourselves or bigger even than my church. It's his. Look at the text with me, if you would, please. And I want you to see some things about being dedicated to God. The first thing I noticed when we're dedicated to God is we begin to seek some things. Notice in verse 27, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness. Both with thanksgiving, with singing, cymbals, psalteries, and harps. You'll notice they sought the Levites. Go back with me quickly in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, if you would, please. I want you to see something very interesting. Numbers chapter number 18. And I realize we're in the Old Testament here, but if you remember Ephesians chapter 6, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it is, you're going to remember that God gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? Or it's four, whatever it is. I think it's four. But in the book of Ephesians, God explains that they're given for a purpose, and their purpose is as a gift for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. So, so there's a work associated with the ministry, and God says, listen, here, here's what I want. I want you to do this job to give them my word, to feed my sheep, to help them grow. That's it. It's literally that simple. Notice in the context here, you're going to see a similarity in Numbers chapter 18. Look at verse 1. And the Lord said unto Aaron... Thou and thy sons and thy father's house with thee shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. And thou and thy sons with thee shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood. Now we know according to Hebrews, Jesus Christ has replaced the Aaron's priesthood. And thank God for that. And thy brethren also of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of thy father, bring thou with thee that they may be joined unto thee and minister unto thee. But thou and thy sons with thee shall minister before the tabernacle of witness. And they shall keep thy charge and the charge of all the tabernacle. Only they shall not come nigh the vessels of the sanctuary and the altar that neither they nor ye also die. And they shall be joined unto thee. Keep the charge and keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation for all the service of the tabernacle. And a stranger shall not come nigh unto you. Ye shall keep the charge of the sanctuary and charge of the altar that there be no wrath any more upon the children of Israel. And I behold, I've taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. To you they are given as a gift for the Lord. See who it's for? It's a gift to the church, but what's it for? It's for the Lord. You know what your pastor is? He's supposed to be for the Lord. 
You, you, you're going to see in this world, especially in a lot of the religious circles, it's a, really a very bad relationship between the church and the pastor. And we don't have that. So I'm out ahead of the thing right now. I want you to understand, especially as new people come on board, I want you to understand a bad relationship between the church and the pastor. It's, it's not a free-flowing kind of a relaxed relationship, not relaxed in a sloppy or disrespectful sense, but just sort of not a, not a relaxed relationship where, hey, we understand who's who and what's what and what the purpose is. It's like, a, that's our pastor. No, he's dedicated to God. What? Well, he, 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 we want him to do it. We want him to do it. What about us? That's not how it goes. That lasted six months for me in my first church. Six months. Why? Because there was not a proper structure there. They weren't seeking the right things. It was, we want a pastor to do things the way we want him to do it, and if he doesn't meet what we want him to do, then we're going to run him off if we have to. There's a major problem throughout this entire nation in the body of Christ. The problem's not just deacon boards and people toward the preacher. The problem's the preachers toward the people. It's a bad relationship. Listen, I'm not here to abuse you. I'm not here to get in your personal business and run your life. I am here to oversee this ministry and to feed you the word of God. Preachers nowadays, the average tenure of a preacher is under three years last I checked. I think it's more like 18 months nowadays. That's how long the average preacher stays in the average church in this nation. It is unbelievable. There's no way to build a work for God if you can't stick it out and stay where God puts you and fight through some of the battles and be faithful to God's people. You can't expect them to be faithful if you're not going to be faithful. So call to preach is a scary thing. It's not something to go into quickly or unadvisedly. There's a gift for the Lord to to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. So a pastor is not a little king, not a little CEO. He's a servant. Therefore thou and thy sons with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar and within the veil, and ye shall serve. See that? I've given, you, I've given your priest's office unto you as a service of gift. <laughs> I think if we preached more of this, a lot less guys would be called to preach. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. You know what God said? When a guy comes in there and tries to step into a department he's not supposed to be in, he's in trouble. We're talking about it on Sunday nights, right? About the different gifts in the body. There's the Aaron's priesthood and that family, Aaron's bloodline and that family was the priest, but there's two other bloodlines and those other bloodlines, they were there just to do the service. They would represent deacons. People just trying to take care of the building and take care of the property and take care of some of the details, that that structure that has to be there if something's really dedicated, right? There's structure to it. You find me anything anywhere that's successful without structure. You look at the average lives of Americans today, what do you see? A complete lack of... My, 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 my prophecy. <laughs> my guess is going to be this whole working from home stuff is going to have a limited ability to be successful. Because there's something about having to go to work. There's something about having the structure, having to be the accountability of having to be there. You live in a less and less structured society. 
The home has fallen apart. The church has fallen apart. And the individual's lives have fallen apart. There has to be structure. If we're really dedicated to God, if your life is really dedicated to God Almighty, if He really means something to you, then you are going to create structure in your life that says, listen, I'm going to get up at this time. I'm going to eat at this time. I'm going to pray at this time. I'm going to read at this time. If you don't go after it on purpose, I am telling you, it won't happen faithfully over the long haul. There has to be some structure. God brings structure to this situation. Go back to Nehemiah chapter number 12. They seek the Levites out of their places. Why? Because they're looking for the leadership to be in its proper place. In order for God to have anything dedicated to him that gets anything done, there has to be leadership. This is something that's lacking in our culture. The reason is rebellion. 100% rebellion. I will say this in all gentleness and fairness. Horrible leadership has fueled the rebellion. Is that fair? There are some horrible leaders out there. Selfish leaders. People who think when they get a little bit of influence, a little bit of a position, a title, a job, a, you know, I'm a Sunday school teacher. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm a trustee. Like, they get a little bit of title and all of a sudden it goes to their head. And so it's like, wow, I mean, really? So now you're the little mafia don of that department. That's not what we're talking about here. When something is dedicated to Almighty God and you're given an opportunity to participate, an opportunity, the privilege the privilege of being able to participate in something that is bigger than you, that's more important than just what matters in your little world. Listen to me. Good leadership recognizes I've been given a privilege this morning and I'm going to dedicate that privilege to Almighty God. It's not mine. And I'm really thankful that making this personal, I'm really thankful that God allows me to be the pastor. I'm thankful that God allows me to have a pulpit to preach from. It's kind of special to me that I built this pulpit. Guess what? It ain't mine. It's a privilege to be able to do something for God. And the structure has to be there when you dedicate something. You've got to recognize there's a structure to this thing. Listen, people for some reason always want to do something. That's why most people struggle with salvation. Because they have to humble themselves to a point that says, listen, I know there's nothing I can do. Actually, all I did messed everything up. And I, I desperately need a hero to come in and fix this for me. And I'm begging that hero to do what only that hero can do because I'm useless. That's salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not of works as any man should boast. Nothing you can do. People struggle with that. You know why? Because they all want to do something. I've lost members of the church because it's like, well, there's nothing for me to do here. I'm going to go somewhere where there's something for me to do. And, and there's places you can go like that. There's places you can walk in and you can tell the preacher, hey, I'm called to preach. And he goes, oh, okay, well, we'll put you in the rotation. Not here. I'm called to preach. What's that mean to me? That's mean. I'm not being mean. I'm asking you what that means to me. How did that just change my life in ministry? That's your call. That's something God put on you. Well, I want, how do I get there? I'll tell you how to get there. Enroll in school. You said God called you to do it, right? 
I think God's still calling young men to do that stuff. I think it's cool. I love it. You said God called you. Well, what do you think it means to be a pastor, a preacher? Do you know not all of them were in the priesthood, even though they were all Levites? Being called to preach means you spend a lot of hours behind the scenes when you don't feel like it and you got writer's block and you sit there anyways and you pray and you beg God to open up his word and give you something to give them. Enroll in school. You know one of the proofs you're called to preach? One of the proofs. I tell all these guys this. One of the proofs you're called to preach is God will open up doors for you. Don't look at me like I'm your hookup. I'd get a whole lot more preacher boys if we do it different. Yeah, I know how to manipulate. But we're not talking about manipulation. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about something that's dedicated to God. We're talking about seeking proper structure. We're talking about, God, what I want, I want you to show me how to lay this thing out. And what the people did is they said, listen, go get the Levites. Because God gave them guys the direction on how this thing is to be done. So let's lay this out according to the word of God. They sought structure. Number two, they sought sanctification. Look at verse 30. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves. You see that? It's very important that you take the time and be careful about who you follow. The stupid internet is a tool of the devil. You understand that, don't you? The stupid internet, it doesn't matter to me. I, I thank God for how and when he has and can use it. People wouldn't even know we were here or whatever, looked us up on the internet, whatever. I still believe God could have done it a different way. I don't think God's like, oh, Lucifer, I'm so glad you came up with that one because I would have never been able to get my job done if it wasn't for your little trick. Now I'm going to use your little trick. I kind of struggle with that in my own head a little bit. Listen to me. I don't care how many people watch me on the internet or listen on the internet. In my mind, I think most of them stop at some point and don't even finish the whole thing and are making fun of me. Yeah, I know, because to you, it's so important. I mean, to this generation, it's like, how many people liked what I did and commented on what I did and looked at what I did and how many people are seeing me? Listen to me. You better be very careful about what you see on the internet. That's not the real world. You better get a hold of that and understand the real world is right here in front of you. You got to go home with it. You got to get up and go to work with it tomorrow. The real world is bigger than the cotton-picking internet. It's because you saw somebody on the internet and he's got a lot of follows or a lot of likes or a huge subscribing list or whatever it is does not make him a Bible-believing man. And you don't know nothing about his personal life. Nothing. I mean, you know nothing about him. It takes, it takes years of ministry, of faithfulness in a community for people to begin at some point to say, there's some credibility to that. That's where I need to be. They've lasted. They're doing something for God. They've been faithful. They haven't compromised. Hey, listen, it's more important for you to get to know what you're hooking up with and who you're listening to. That's right. They saw these Levites purify themselves. They saw God doing the work on those men and on those men's lives. And you see, you've seen it here. I mean, thank God Almighty. Now, I'm not talking about me now. I'm talking about the men that are in this place. The fact that when I'm gone, I don't have to sit paranoid about I used to be paranoid when I was gone. You can ask my wife. I mean paranoid. I don't have to be paranoid. Some knucklehead starts something, it'll be taken care of, trust me. And they'll be on the phone with me before it's even over. 
I love it, man. I'm thankful to see some men who said, listen, I'm sanctifying myself. I'm setting myself apart. I want to serve God. This is important to me. Hey, it's been a blessing to me when some have come to me and said, listen, preacher, I want my life to represent our church in a good way. Is my behavior appropriate? I want to make sure my testimony is clean. Hey, that's a blessing to my soul. That means you're dedicated to something and seeking something bigger than you. And that's something God will bless, man. God's all for it. These people are dedicating to the Lord and as they're doing it, they're sanctifying themselves. The priests and Levites purified themselves and purified the people. Watch it. And the gates. And the wall. So it wasn't just about getting ourselves cleaned up and looking right. It was, wait a second. This property that God's given us is important to us. You understand that? We ought to be teaching our children that from a very early age. Hey, pick up your trash. Don't leave your junk in the pew. Clean up your pew. There's people that come here and clean this building. This is the church. It's a, it's, oh, we're not Catholic. I, I, I know that. But listen, this thing is dedicated to a specific purpose, is it not? Amen. We're not here. This isn't your house. You don't get to you know, just take your shirt off and just throw it on the pew and just leave it there. Just act like this is your house. This, there's, this is important to us. This means something to us. A lot of work goes into keeping it repaired and keeping it clean. And you're sitting on these pews. There's not a bunch of hair and lint everywhere. You came in and sat down without stains all over the place. And it doesn't stink. And, and it was like you weren't, I, nobody was going, ooh. Ooh. Let's, let's sit over there. That doesn't just happen with this many people here. This is important to us. They even sanctified the walls. They said, listen, this is where the Lord's going to show up. This is where we gather, and it's a representation. It is a testimony. It means something to people driving by. If weeds are overgrown the front of the building and paint's peeling off and, and windows are cracked and broken, hey, it takes money, it takes effort, it takes time, it takes people saying, this is important. Is your home important to you? Do you repair those things? You ought to. Do you realize that? I mean, I purposely don't overschedule things like I'm supposed to do in order to be one of the guys. I purposely don't overburden your life because it is important to God that you maintain the things He's given you like your family time, like your property, like your church. Balance. They purified those things. I'll never forget years ago, man, we had some youngins in the church and I was younger in the ministry and wasn't sure how to handle it. Man, they're the teenagers, you know. Their behavior with the boyfriend-girlfriend was over the top. I don't know what parent in their right mind lets their teenage daughter walk around dressed like that, let alone, let alone come to church like that. Time out. Time out. Are you with me? A good church that's reaching people. We'll have visitors come in. And nobody's like, oh, oh. I've never taught you to be that way, have I? I've never been that way. But I am saying that for those of us that are a part of this thing, that are dedicated, we ought to set an example and a standard. You know what I'm thankful for? You know why Dan and Ashley is the youth pastor and youth pastor's wife? They're downstairs this morning. You know why he got that job? Because I watched him the whole time they dated, and my little girls are running around. 
If they'd have been hands all over each other and all the rest of that stuff, they'd have, he'd have never been my youth pastor. He would have never known why. Because, yeah, I'm not going to hurt him. I love him. I'm here to help people. But, but the standard they set for each other was probably even higher than I would have set. <laughs> and that's a blessing. Talking about keeping the thing pure. I'm not saying you can't have any sin in your life. If you have sin in your life, Pastor Reagan's going to kick you out. If you're struggling with sin in your life, why don't you keep it to yourself? If you need help, come for help. I'll be glad to help you. I have always had, I'll say it again, I've always had people in my church that had problems with alcohol, with cigarettes, with all kinds of stuff, with cussing, all the rest of it. Always have. And I hope I always do because this is a place dedicated to helping people with sin problems. We're not here so sterile that we can't be around sinners, but it's not a place of sinners. Did you follow me on that? This is a place to help people with sin problems. We're not here to smash everybody every time they walk through the door and jump on them every time they go, oh, they're not good enough to be a part of this. You weren't either. And I'm not. We're here to help people, but we're not here to be a place of sinners. Oh, our pastor's gracious. He don't care. No, I don't think so. I mean, I still remember the old preachers. I don't know how far I'd go with it, but walking outside, deacon's kids out in the parking lot, sitting in the car, making out with their boyfriend. Deacon's kid, you know, the, the, one, the one that had all the money, you know, that deacon. He walks out of the car. Oh, man, I'm just talking about taking care of the place. Get out of the parking lot! What are you doing? What aren't you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? At your house, your business. Bringing it public knowledge into the church, not okay. What aren't you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? I'm, this place is dedicated to the service of God. Well, if I take my checkbook, it's going to go under. <laughs> you lost your stinking mind. You got the wrong guy. We started this thing in the middle of the Great Recession and a month and a half, a year and a half after starting it, I quit my job. And God got us through. God will get us down the road. We're not here for your money. We're here for God. He pays the bills. What were they seeking? They were seeking that thing to be something different than everything else around them. And they sought it in the structure, in the sanctification. Notice their steps in verse number 31. When I brought up the princes of Judah upon the wall and appointed two great companies that, of them that gave thanks, whereof one went on the right hand upon the wall toward the dung gate. And after them went Hosea and half of the princes of Judah and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah. Certain of the, sons of the, uh, certain of the priests' sons with trumpets and he goes down through the list, and he says the company, the other ones that gave thanks, go the other way on the wall. So he's got them up on top of this wall, right? Now, you've got to understand, those walls, they're not like these walls. Those walls were massive because they were meant to resist attacks and bombardment from the enemy. Those walls are so big you could put chariots on them, and you could ride chariots around the circumference of the wall. So you know what they did? They said, look what God did for us. <laughs> Isn't this great? And I got a huge old company of people up on top of the wall. And they said, all right, you guys are going to give thanks. We're going to start here and you're going to go that way. And the rest of us, we're going to start here and we're going to go that way. And we're going to march around this wall. And we're going to make sure the whole world sees us shouting and praising God. And we're going to march around this wall. Are, are you following me? They're marching around. The, 
remember that wall that if a fox goes up, it's going to break it down? You know what they're doing? They're saying, hey, people, hey, critics, hey, adversaries, hey, all you that thought God would never let us do this, look at what God's done. And their steps are ordered in such a way that they're thanking God and praising God and they're rubbing it in the face of the adversaries. Look what God's done. They're up there, hundreds, thousands of them marching on the walls showing, God's, showing the enemies of God, look what God did and praising God for what he did. You know what else I notice about that? They're walking circumspectly. They're going all the way around that whole thing. They had a lot of trust in what they had built. They knew it wasn't coming down. They put the time, the effort, and the energy in because it was founded on a rock. And they knew because it was founded on a rock, it wasn't going to come down. Can I just say about Bible Believers Church of South Lyon, this thing is founded on the simplicity of preaching the King James Bible. That's what this church is built on. It's not a complex thing. It's not a confusing thing. It's not a big trick. It's slowly but surely over the long haul trying to give you a foundation so that you can build your life on it, on the King James Bible and your home on it. And as we've tried to do that and found a place where we could come and God's helping us do that together, then a church is naturally being built. It's very simple. You know, there were people that told my dad years ago, you'll never make it, South Lyon. No church like yours ever has. We already have a Baptist church, the first Baptist downtown, the Southern Baptist church. We don't need another one, and you're not going to make it. And, and it didn't. But you know what God's done all these years later? This is 30 years later. You know what God's doing? God's giving us something here. God's doing it. You know what I think God's going to let us continue doing? I'm going out on a limb here because I've been trying for years, and it seems like there's always slowdowns and stoppers, and... I'm at a point right now where I absolutely have utter faith in God that he stops us because he loves us. He slows us down because he cares about us. He's slowed me down my whole life in ministry because he loves me. Because he loves my family. And he knows it'd probably be more than I could bear if I lost my family. And I would have if it had been up to me because I'd have been so into my ministry that I wouldn't have even had time for my daughters. Wouldn't have had time to learn to be a girl dad and love being a girl dad and love girls, enjoy my girl dad life, <laughs> soccer dad, volleyball dad. I'm thankful God slowed me down. You know, I think that if it had gone as fast as I wanted it to, I don't think I'd know most of you like I do. I don't think we'd have the relationship as a pastor that we have if the church had blown up like I wanted it to. I know that I wasn't ready to pastor this many people 10 years ago or even five years ago like I thought I was. God's been so good. I think, I think God's going to let us keep going. I think we're going to get some bathrooms in there so that you guys can actually go to the bathroom when you get to church. Give us a little bit more elbow room in the lobby after church. I, believe, I think so. I, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think I am. You know what I'm going to do? What I'm doing right now before he even does it whether he lets us move forward or not, it's his. And the steps that I want to take, I want to walk circumspectly around what God is doing and make sure that nowhere are there breaches in the walls. Those gates are working right. The walls are strong. The place is dedicated and set apart. And listen, it's all to the glory of God. 
I want to double check me and walk circumspectly around my heart and my mind to say, Lord, am I taking what's yours or is it hands off of what's yours? You're his, aren't you? Hey, I see you as my people. I talk about my guys. Talking to the guy that's going to come train us. Hey, my guys are going to be there. And how many of you guys are going to be there? He says, how many of your guys are going to be there? I'm like, that kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? But that's how I feel. Like, yeah, they're my guys. That's a blessing, ain't it? Does anybody say uh, my church? That's my church? That's a great thing, right? So let's not start getting weird. It's not your church, brother. It's the Lord's. Oh, okay, super spiritual. Get out of my face. You ever meet people like that? So obnoxious. But the spirit of it, it's not mine. It's his. And I want my steps to be ordered by the Lord, praising him and thanking him as, as my life by the grace of God and with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ gets built and he's building it and my church gets built and the ministry gets built and the marriage gets built and some of you single folks, your personal walk with the Lord, your per, you single folks hear me? Your personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ gets built because a spouse is a distraction from that? Right. Have you read Corinthians? Thank God for a distraction. Amen, honey? Praise the Lord. Cool. All right. <laughs> Pray for her. She's got a kidney stone in each kidney, and they're impassable, so it's a lot of fun. But she's here smiling anyhow. Hey, it's a great thing, but you know what? It's a distraction. So what should you be focused on right now? Finding a spouse? You're going to run into a trap of the devil. I'm telling you right now, you get, you get all hyped up about it, or you're going to settle for some yahoo, and you could do a lot better, girls. Oh, the guys are all going to be offended. No, so mean. Just relax. You're supposed to be a man. Let it go. I have I have four daughters. None of them are good enough. And I said, listen, if a boy don't like you, don't worry about it. He's a queer. <laughs> Come on. There's no way. There's no way. You know what I mean? You're probably not going to stay single forever. I said probably. But while you are, you walking around that thing, you checking those walls. You're making sure that you are God's, so it's his right to set you up with who he wants. Let's look at our last point. I want you to see the sacrifice that they make. Look at verse 43. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. You can go down and read there later. i got a lot more to show you, but I'm not going to this morning. Notice their sacrifice that they made. See, here's where the rubber really meets the road. Because with anything you dedicate to God, anything, it's going to take a sacrifice. With anything you're dedicated to. You understand? It takes a sacrifice. Look, I tried to redo a bunch of my flower beds this year because you all were coming over. I got about half done of what I wanted to get done, but I was very serious about getting this done. Get into that, you know, that wild, tall grass stuff that's got the zebra stripes on it. It's pretty cool stuff, you know. Well, that stuff's crazy. You understand what I mean? It's nuts. I went to try to dig that thing out of my front flower bed by the, by the uh, mailbox, and the, the, the weed structure of that thing had gotten so crazy, it was harder than digging up a tree. I had to almost dig up that entire flower bed to get to that stupid thing and then I had to I had to chop it in half with an axe like I was splitting wood guess what lives in those roots millions of little ants little fire ants 
Talking about sacrifice. <laughs> I was serious about getting that done. So as a result, I had a price to pay. Looked real good when I got it done. I really like it now. I planted a bush there. I wasn't even sure what it was. I just bought it and planted it. This is cool. She said, what kind of bush is that out there? I said, I don't know. <laughs> it's supposed to be good with sunlight. and It's supposed to get like three or four feet. Oh, I guess it's a hibiscus bush. My neighbors told me and my mom told me, so that's what it is. That thing started popping these flowers that are literally that big. So beautiful. You know, I've been enjoying that thing all year. You know what helps, I think, enjoy it? It cost me something. When it costs you something, it means more to you. What people don't understand when it comes to the reality of serving God and being dedicated to Him, it's not always supposed to be a cakewalk. There's a price to pay. There's an adversary of the devil that will have a certain amount of leash God will give him, but he won't give him more than you can take. And he'll get you through it. He's pleased with the sacrifice. A sacrifice is giving. I'm not coming after your money this morning. A sacrifice is giving. You really dedicated to God? He really means something to you? Then you're going to say, Lord, I will pay any price you ask to be closer to you. It's yours. My life is yours. The circumstances of my life are yours. I need and I want you. They were willing to make a sacrifice. If you're dedicated to God, you'll be willing to do the same. And I am telling you, if you will, that scares everybody, right? Like, I've talked about it before. Like, you sign the check. You put to the Lord Jesus Christ. You sign it, and you leave the amount blank, and you let him fill it in. That's what I'm talking about. That's scary. That's a sacrifice that's pleasing to God. You know what comes of it? Do you see it in verse number 43? They offered great sacrifices and did what? For God had made them rejoice with great joy. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that why some of you won't get saved? You want to enjoy your life. You like your sin more than you love him. And that's why you're miserable and you're always going to be. And then, worst of all, you're going to end up misery for eternity in a lake of fire because you won't get saved. You're a knucklehead. I love you, but you're a knucklehead. You're being stubborn. I'll guarantee you, your parents said, you are such a stubborn one because if you know the truth this much and you still won't get saved, you're being stubborn. You need to come off it. I mean it. I'm not trying to get on you, but I'm getting on you because I love you. It's enough. That sacrifice you think you're going to make is going to reap great joy in your life and watch it, not just your life. The wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. It impacted everybody around them. It impacted the women. It impacted the children. It impacted the community around them because they said we're dedicated to God and we're willing to seek Him, to order our steps in His way, and to make whatever sacrifice it takes to see Him get the glory out of our lives. And they got some rejoicing out of it. Stand your feet this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed.